Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. Today's show, we are previewing the Falcons and Browns week four matchup. I will be joined later on by Noah Schaefer, host of the Dog Check podcast on the Believe podcast network. We're going to break down all the ins and outs of this matchup, including kind of the latest on Miles Garrett. We actually got the update on really his health in the middle of our conversation. So you'll hear us break into a little breaking news chat. We obviously now know you know, what it is, shoulder sprain, um, bicep strain, and some lacerations. Um, so kind of remains to be seen, I think, on his status. But I feel like that's kind of hard to to play from or play, you know, a few days after sustaining those types of injuries. Again, we will uh, wait and see. But that's obviously a huge, huge uh, wait and see factor for Sunday's matchup. Outside of that, I'm going to lead into why I think this game is really close, why I think this game is really unique in terms of what these offenses really want to do and how they approach the game. And the fact that right now, especially considering maybe some of the injuries that the Browns will have on the defensive side of the ball, I think the offenses are more the identities through the first three games for Cleveland and Atlanta. And so I think that that's kind of how this game is going to be dictated. Does that mean that a defensive turnover by one team won't swing it? Does that mean that a critical third down stop uh, in the red zone won't swing it? No, that, that doesn't mean any of that. But I just think that coming into it, if you look at what is the juiciest aspect of this game to me, it's two offenses that really go about their business the exact same way and just kind of which one will emerge victorious in that effort. So we're going to get into all of that right now. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. So head to bet online or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet and use our promo code believe 50 that's B L E A V five zero to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts. All right. I want to touch on some quick news and notes uh, before getting into just an overview of my thoughts, uh, which I will be writing more in depth about for the Falcoholic. Uh, and that is going up the same day that this podcast is. So if you like a little bit of what you hear and you're interested in more, I would encourage you to go check that out. Um, but first, so the Falcons on Wednesday, Cordero Patterson was the only player listed on their injury report. His designation um, was just resting player and knee, but I think that this is way more uh, the arresting player. It's just, you know, they have to disclose everything. Otherwise, you can get in trouble if you don't. So if any if at any point they plan on limiting him, 
and they're going to say knee issue. You know, this this is maybe a way to avoid any type of trouble with the league because, you know, they are putting him on the injury report Wednesday. So let's say tomorrow he is uh, limited in practice or you're today, then I would expect that it would say knee there. But I don't expect either of those things to uh, to limit him. He looked great on Sunday against Seahawks, and hopefully that remains the case this Sunday against Cleveland. Speaking of Cleveland, they have a long injury report to start the week, which is notable because they are coming off of a long week. Remember, they played that Thursday night game and beat the Steelers, but it came with a cost because a lot of guys, linebacker Anthony Walker, uh, lost for the year. You had um, you know, fellow linebacker Jeremiah Usakoromoa, who I really liked coming out of the draft and has played pretty well for Cleveland since they drafted him. He got dinged up in that game along with a number of other players. But let me run it down. Uh, some of the big names here. Uh, guard Joel Batonio. He was able to, I believe, uh, return, um, as was Jack Conklin. So, you know, those guys, it looks like, you know, maybe better signs for them suiting up, which is going to be huge because they have a nasty offensive line in Cleveland. Jadavian Clowney missed last week's game. Will he be able to return? They haven't ruled him out, but he did not practice with an ankle injury. Uh, Mari Cooper got a day of rest, so just like Cordero Patterson, well-earned. But Miles Garrett, you know, as I mentioned at the top, shoulder biceps uh, injury is the designation here. He did not practice. Safety Ronnie Harrison was able to practice on Wednesday as he recovers from a hamstring injury, but notably Denzel Ward, who was phenomenal last year, uh, he did not practice on Wednesday with back and rib injuries. So that's a little bit of a rundown. Again, the Falcons really in great shape, knock on wood, through the uh, first three weeks on the injury front. In fact, they stand to gain some of these guys off of the early IR, um, maybe like an Isaiah Oliver, like a Marlon Davidson that could give the defense some reinforcements, some new looks and new capabilities. And that's awesome. But in this game, I think it's really going to be about the offenses. Both of these uh, offenses, Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland, Arthur Smith here in Atlanta, really do. They're not always just going to run the ball to run the ball's sake, which I appreciate, but they do kind of, I think, stem the rest of their offense from what they like to do in the running game. Um, a lot of the looks in the passing game are tied to the running game. They get really creative with some of their pass protection schemes because it can mirror what they do in the run schemes. Um and then just they have beautiful, beautiful kind of just run designs. And I, I think that if you're a fan of old school football, but with modern flair, like this game is going to be for you because Nick Chubb, the NFL's leading rusher, Cordero Patterson, third. Both of these teams are incredibly efficient on um, early downs, but the Falcons really use their first downs. They're the second most efficient team. I mentioned last week, their first. They slip just a teeny tiny bit uh, behind Carolina. So, I mean, how about that? Look at you, Matt Rule. Um, but their success on first down and second down still to a degree really puts them in great positions to have third and manageable, which allows Arthur Smith to go into his bag of tricks and kind of dial up whatever he wants. And that's been very important, I think, to Atlanta's offensive success this season the Browns kind of stick to their run game they manage enough on first down and second down but they are by far and away the best rushing team in terms of efficiency on third down and fourth down I mean it's it's incredible how much success they're having kind of on those short uh or on those critical downs running the football but again that speaks to 
their ability to maintain, you know, third and manageable, second and manageable, you know, stay ahead of the of the um, schedule there. And they will pass early on. Um, they're not as successful with it. They are still better running the football, but it's really kind of keeping them in those situations where they can third, fourth down, run it so well. And of course, Jacoby Brissett's QB sneaks are factored into that. He's been huge with those this uh, year as well. So of course that boosts it. But I think anybody that watches Nick Chubb, the dude is so adept at picking up yardage. Um, and that is going to be a huge factor in this game. In fact, it's something that Arthur Smith uh, talked a lot about on Wednesday in um, his press conference, just talking about kind of the physicality of these teams in this game and how they really want to go after it with their offensive line and have a similar smash mouth type of we're going to wear you down throughout the course of the game. The Browns are very good in the second half. Again, surprise running the football. The Falcons weirdly better with a passing EPA than running EPA in the in the second half. But again, I think it's because of a lot of the work that they do early in the game on these early downs to buy a lot of these play action looks. I mean, how many times have we felt coming into the second half of games? Man, the Falcons are set up really well if they want to lean on a play action passing attack. So I think that speaks to the success that they have. Um, but again, a little bit of an overview there. This is going to be an offensive heavy game. I really expect both teams to kind of try to do the same things. If all those injuries I mentioned on the defensive side of the ball end up, you know, keeping those guys out of this game for Cleveland, that really could swing things because Atlanta's offense, I believe, is very good actually this year. But we'll have to wait and see. And until then, I'm going to continue to kind of focus and watch these offenses because I, I really think this could be a game in the maybe high 20s, mid to high 20s that feels back and forth, that feels like a little bit of a heavyweight fight. And I did not expect to uh, be saying that coming into week four about the Falcons. And I'm excited to because... They have been uh, impressive in my eyes so far, even though I know I was hard on them after Sunday's game. But look, time heals all wounds. I'm an optimistic guy at heart, and uh, I can't wait to see what they have. So with that, let's get into my conversation with uh, No Schaefer. Hope you guys enjoy it. Here we go. I'm very excited now to be joined by Noah Schaefer, host of The Dog Check on the Believe Podcast Network. I encourage everybody to go check that out before this weekend's game. But Noah, thank you so much for uh, joining me. How are you doing, man? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, so before we get into this Sunday's game, which obviously for Atlanta is now much more uh, exciting, I think that they are 1-2 and two and not 0-3 and coming into this. But can you provide us with you know, maybe a minute overview of the Browns season so far through the first three weeks. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? How have they performed? Yeah, so the first game, I think we came out uh, guns blazing on defense. Uh, I think we had something to prove going against Baker Mayfield, and we came out with a win. <laughs> it was a lot closer than uh, we would have liked. But you go into week two, that was just that was a pitiful for pitiful performance by the defense you, you can't give up those key plays in the final minutes of the game especially to the jets that was a game we should have won so i think the morale was definitely low there and then you come mm -hmm. into thursday night on a short week i think sunday gave them a, a boost of energy and they came out and they said you know we need to tighten up we need to fix this they actually held a players only meeting on defense uh, to mm -hmm. address what was going on so hopefully they kind of just hit themselves a little bit and then realize what they had to do and they came out with the win on Thursday. So right now it's it's not really what we were expecting, but I think we're off to a good start. 
yeah, expectations were that this roster is is really, really good overall. Obviously, Nick Chubb is one of my favorite running backs in the NFL, maybe my favorite running back, but I also went to UGA, so I'm biased. Um, mm-hmm. But then you, you know, you add Amari Cooper this offseason and, and he's really blossomed the last two weeks. I think I saw that quote early on where uh, Jacoby Brissett was like, yeah, I, I kind of didn't realize how wide open he was until we got back and we watched that tape of the first week. And it was like, no, he's just always open. Let's throw him the ball more. Uh, and they've certainly done that. But let's start with the biggest news, I think, of the week so far for the NFL. And that would be Miles Garrett's, uh, you know, single car crash accident on Monday afternoon. You know, reports are that no major injuries sustained. They took him to the hospital to check him out. His agent uh, tweeted last night. But Noah, what is the latest here on on Tuesday afternoon at 6.05 as we record have there been any developments? I know the team doesn't have to say anything really until Wednesday. So what are you hearing on that front? Yeah, so uh, nothing really new on Tuesday. He was discharged from the hospital Monday night. Uh, they they said there was nothing broken, no major injuries. They just wanted to do some extra tests for some precaution. But um, it, it was a very scary incident. And if you know Cleveland, the weather is just kind of all over the place. So it, it was mm-hmm. raining pretty heavily that day. Um, and he was going down a road with a hill and he saw an animal and he swerved off of the road and, mm. and flipped his car. So we're really thankful that uh, he's okay. And not even from a football standpoint, we just we just want to make sure he's okay. If he misses Sunday's game, I don't care. I just want him to be okay. And uh, yeah, we're, we are very thankful that everything is all right, but just a very scary situation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the Browns are in no means a rival to the Falcons, even if you were, even if this was Christian McCaffrey and Michael Thomas, you know, I, at the end of the day, these guys are people first and they're athletes second and the well-being of anybody uh, on the football field, especially somebody as good as Miles Garrett, still kind of entering the prime of their career and already off to a great start this season. Three sacks, four tackles for a loss, forced fumble, pass deflection in there as well. But let's say, you know, worst case scenario. And fortunately, it looks like the worst case scenario is still going to be pretty positive for the long term health of, of Miles Garrett. But worst case scenario, he misses Sunday's game. Who would be the primary guy for Cleveland to probably step up and take his place? So I think that would probably be rookie defensive end Alex Wright. Uh, we drafted out of, uh, of Florida and, you know, I, coming into the third round, I saw his tape and I, I really liked the player, but I understood it was going to be a project pick. He, he's mm-hmm. not really the quickest. He's not really the strongest. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of finesse, but he's lengthy. He can stop the outside run. And it's very similar to Jadavion Clowney. If we can get him a little more explosive and a little stronger, he's really going to be a solid guy going into next year if Clowney decides to not resign. Um, so I'm, I'm really expecting him to step up. And then rookie Isaiah Thomas out of Oklahoma. He's also another really nice run stopper. He's not as long, but he's really powerful and, and has a really quick punch. So I can see a really nice rotation out of them. And hopefully they can step in in a big way. Potentially, you know, both of your starting defensive ends out for this game, which would mean that those young players really do have to step up in a big way because Atlanta's offensive line has been playing well. But maybe the most important surefire injury that has happened so far as Anthony Walker um, at linebacker lost for the year against the Steelers. Jacob Phillips uh, got some praise for his kind of fill in duty there in that game. You know, I watched it. I it 
it was okay to me. I didn't see anything super special from him, but, but what should be the expectation with him stepping in for kind of a defensive captain for this Browns team? So I think the Browns drafted him to be a starter, essentially. Um, he, he was expected to fill a lot of shoes and then he ended up getting uh, into some injury issues and then we had to go out and then kind of find a replacement. So, uh, I, I think they're expecting a lot out of him. Joe Woods has a lot of praise for him. And like you said, when he filled in uh, on Thursday, there wasn't an, a lot that stood out to me uh, all around. But towards the end of the game, he kind of picked it up. He had a tackle for loss and he prevented a couple first downs. Um, but he does seem to get a little lost in, in the run game, kind of goes in the wrong gaps and s- some stuff like that. So if they are planning on giving the green dot to Jacob Phillips instead of uh, – somebody like John Johnson or Sione Takitaki or even JOK, um, Mm -hmm. that he's going to have to step up in a huge way and make sure those guys can communicate on the field, have a good example, and and really perform for this defense. Takitaki's nice, man. I would not mind, uh, you know, if I was Cleveland fan, seeing him out there on the field um, a little bit more with some of these injuries popping up. But um, I, I, you mentioned JOK, Jeremiah Wusa, Koran Moa, for those who are, you know, not among the initiated, but I fell in love with him in the draft. Really wanted the Falcons to get him there in the second round. Fortunately, they did not, but he's been playing well so far since he's entered the league. He sustained a groin injury in the game against uh, Pittsburgh. So did Taven Bryan. So those are two, you know, maybe not household names yet, but a little bit of glue guys there for um, Cleveland's defense. Give us maybe some reasons why Atlanta fans should fear Cleveland's defense, because they definitely should. This is a good unit. Yeah, so uh, you talk about Taven Bryan, who had a hamstring injury. The Browns are really loaded on the defensive tackle position. Uh, And there's not really a lot of guys that are proven talent, but there is a lot of guys that have a lot of potential. Jordan Elliott, Tommy Togiai, Perion Winfrey, who has walked into some disciplinary issues, but he seems to be uh, stepping up and hopefully we can see some production out of him soon. Um, just people like that who are who are really young and have a lot to prove and show. So I, I really don't think there's going to be a lot missing with Brian out if he were to be out um, because they're just there's some big guys that know how to move big guys and that's really all we need. And if JOK is out, it's going to be really hard to find another guy that can cover a tight end like he does, who can stop the run like he does, who can just get in there and, and disrupt a play. So if he is out, there's going to be some issues replacing him, I think. You might have to see Sione in there a little bit more. Um, and and some people, Tony Fields, I think, could get some playing time. So it'll just be a... Uh, Oh, I just got an update that Miles Garrett had a shoulder sprain and a bicep strain in addition to laceration in his one-car accident on Monday. Look at that breaking news here on the podcast that's going to go up, uh, you know, 28 hours after we record. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, no, let's get into that. So, obviously, you and I are not doctors. We are just dudes with microphones who like football and, uh, you know, try to talk about it well. But a shoulder sprain, a bicep strain... That doesn't sound like something uh, that, you know, you kind of get over in three or four days. Yeah, this is going to be kind of unfortunate. Um, Miles is one of the strongest guys that I know, and it, it, it might take him out. And I mean, look, Stefanski has a real buddy-buddy relationship with all these players. So if mm. 
he needs to sit out. I think Stefanski is going to have no issue sitting him out. Uh, no disrespect to you guys, but I do think we need to rest him a little bit just for this game because it's not as big of a game as going into the Patriots and the Chargers that we have coming up. So if he is out for this game, it's it's going to be a loss, but I think we'll be all right for right now. And and that is, frankly, what you just said, the most important consideration, I think, from a coaching or team standpoint, right? And that's that's a little bit of my background. But when you are looking at, all right, what are our opportunities to, you know, build in a little bit of rest time? Like the Falcons, their bye week is off the top of my head, I think 14. Um, sorry, I haven't looked at the full schedule in a while, but it's crazy deep into the season. If Atlanta was in the same situation, you know, maybe at one and two that that starts a little bit different, but you guys are coming off of a big division win. Yeah, it's a longer week, but you know, if your guys can't go, they can't go. And this is a non-conference opponent early in the year. It's much more important, like you said, for these guys to be healthier for the AFC competition that you're going to face and more crucially division matchups. So yeah, based on what we, the news that we just got um, kind of over the Twitters, it seems like, yeah, maybe there is some some concern with him suiting up. And it sounds like, and I agree, that if if I was the Browns coaching staff, I'd maybe err a little bit more on the side of caution. Um, I want to talk about the secondary and how they've played. It looked like they got touched up a little bit by uh, the Jets and kind of their talented group of receivers. And it looks like the safety play may be a little bit better so far than the, the cornerback play. But am I reading that right? What have you seen? Yeah, so... The secondary really hasn't performed to the standards that we saw last year. Last year, we had a top five defense, and that was a huge part to Denzel Ward being a, a top five player in his position right. in man coverage. Greg Newsom, who was a rookie, played outstanding. Um, and John Johnson, I think, kind of bounced back after a rough start to the year. So that secondary has been kind of disappointing this year. And it's just a lot of miscommunication after the Jets game, you saw Denzel trying to go for an out and uh, trying to guard the flat. And then uh, Corey Davis just goes right up the middle and gets an easy touchdown. So that communication might be our downfall, but we did pull it together Thursday night. Um, the first half was a little rough. And I mean, George Pickens just made a fantastic catch. One of the better catches. Yes. We're gonna... Oh my God. Yeah. That was insane. So um, there's really not much you can do right there. Uh, but I think that they can really pull it together. Somebody like Ronnie Harrison hasn't played that much. If we can get him in, I think that kind of frees up the corners to, if they're playing so much off man or some zone coverage, then you have some more safeties out there to that you can rely on. Um, but we have all the tools to be fantastic. And I just, I really don't know what's been going on right now. I think that we can certainly fix it going into, into the tougher games. But right now we have a lot to work on, a lot to study and hopefully we can, <laughs> we can buff that up a little bit. Yeah. I promise this is now my last one on the defense, but I just had to ask, cause as I was watching um, the all 22 of the jets game earlier in, in preparation for this conversation, I, made a note, number 23, Martin Emerson. A um, couple of times in quarters coverage, it looked like to my eye that he was really squatting on some of these shorter routes. And they obviously talked a lot about it on Monday Night Football last night with Trayvon Diggs, was really squatting on, on a lot of the routes uh, against the Giants and Daniel Jones. And just like Peyton Manning you know, pointed out yesterday, and that's the inspiration for this idea, I wonder, could the Falcons try a little bit of a double move 
on Emerson. Is that was that something that you think is more matchup specific with the Jets or is he a little bit of a, you know, somebody who likes to maybe jump routes uh, a little more frequently than others? He definitely likes to jump routes. Um, there we I was go. Watching this, yep. I was watching it's some coming. of his college tape and he, he played against Jamison Williams. And I get it. Jamison Williams is a speedster. He, he's definitely an X factor, but Emerson was just getting cooked. I mean, a simple <laughs> comeback route. A comeback route is just something that he doesn't really know how to guard. And, and just double moves will definitely be his downfall Sunday if you guys choose to do that. Um, All right. He got, he got beat by Garrett Wilson on a corner touchdown, just a little inside shimmy, and then he went back out. And yep. he moves his hips and everything just to one side, and then, oh, can't recover. So I would definitely like to see that uh improve a little bit and i mean he's a physical guy if you be go straight up to the sideline with him he's going to be physical make a play on the ball uh rough you up a little bit out of bounds but yeah those those double moves are definitely his kryptonite right now all right i, I could see alameda zacchaeus is probably the best double move guy they have but kyle pitts and drake london will be well equipped to deal with his physicality it sounds like so yeah, that could be a little bit of a defensive X factor for the the matchup in this uh, this game. Third topic, though, let's flip over to the offensive side of the ball. Finally, for Cleveland again, I already mentioned Nick Chubb. He's the NFL's leading rusher. Has is this one of the best starts of his career? Because we all saw the Batman, or at least I saw the Batman Instagram video and all that stuff. It was hype. He seems like he's really focused um, this year. What have you seen from Nick Chubb? 100%. Um, he posted that video like 24 hours before game day. I was hyped up and I'm pretty sure all of Cleveland was hyped up. Um, and he goes out there and rushes for 141 yards. Didn't get a touchdown and wasn't really mentioned by the NFL at all for 141 rushing yards in the first game, but we're not going to talk about that. Uh, he's, he's running angry this year and he doesn't show emotion, but you can definitely show how he feels through his play. And that's something that makes him really special. Definitely one of the the all-time greats in, in franchise history next to Jim Brown. So he's he's 100% that guy. And uh, against the Jets, he had three touchdowns. Should he have one out of bounds? We're not going to talk about it because that doesn't matter. Um, and then against Pittsburgh, he... I, I think he got 100 yards that game too. I'm not entirely sure he came close to it. I believe he did. Um, Yep. And so I really like what I'm seeing from him right now. He's the NFL rushing leader by uh, kind of a decent amount right now. Um, and if we can get him going a little bit more, I see no reason why he can't have a really good shot at the rushing title this year. He's missed out on it uh, the last two years. He's been top top three, top five, whatever. He's coming for it this year, and this might be the year. Uh, personally, I'd love to see him him get it, but there's somebody else in this game that I would also love to see get that rushing title, and that's Cordero Patterson. And this is going to be an amazing matchup uh, for, I think, people who love to see the run game. Uh, so maybe everybody like 52 and older. We know Nick Chubb is is really, I think, the heart and soul of this offense. But is it safe to say that right now, after what we saw in week three, Nick Chubb, Amari Cooper, David Njoku, is that like Cleveland's big three on offense? I think it's safe to say that, excluding Jacoby. Um, I think Jacoby has really been a really solid anchor for this team. And with Baker Mayfield, I think we saw a leader, but if he was frustrated, he would just just kind of shut down. Um, I don't really think Jacoby has 
shown any signs of being frustrated or anything like that yet, obviously, because we're, we're winning so far, but um, I think that is a pretty solid big three and Joku needed some more targets in the first two games, but he, he found a stride in the third game and hopefully we can keep that going. Um, And Amari Cooper has just been fantastic. He's been the second receiver since Josh Gordon to have two back-to-back 100 yard, uh, 100 yard games with a touchdown so it's really refreshing to have a true number one and i mean we had odell beckham jr we had jarvis landry different guys yeah very different guys and i really like the production coming out of him so i know jerry jones is kicking himself right now um we're kind of rejoicing that we have a number one and yeah this this big three is something that we've needed for for a long time it's, it's crazy to me because I think what happened with Mari Cooper is that, you know, he's out in Oakland and kind of immediately we all come to the conclusion that it's like, yeah, this guy's a number one receiver in the league. No question. You know, he he does everything you want a, a true X receiver to do. Then he goes to, to Dallas, has that great first year. And then it's almost like everybody just it's like, cool, we know exactly what this guy is. We don't have to think about him anymore. And then. After that first year in Dallas, we got more excited about players like CeeDee Lamb or Michael Gallup or the other toys that Dallas had. But seeing him now in a new offense where he is the unquestioned kind of number one receiving option is a whole lot of fun because he's a great player. And it's really nice to be able to appreciate him um, in a renewed sense like this. But do you think this passing game is capable of uh, carrying the offense by itself game? So what would it look like if, if the Falcons were somehow able to take Nick Chubb off the table? So we have, uh, I've been kind of saying this on my podcast that we don't really have the talent at receiver, but we have the volume. So you have mm. Demetri Felton, you have Michael Woods, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Harrison Bryant, um, and and people like that that can, you know, throw a wrench into some team's defensive game plan. And we haven't really seen a lot of those guys yet. David Bell, um, I believe he only has like, two targets on the year, something, something crazy like that. (laughs) And everybody else that I mentioned has six targets in total on the year. So it's that, that's something that needs to be ramped up. If we can start getting the targets to them, then I think Atlanta will have kind of a tough time with that. Uh, And I I really want to see Donovan Peoples Jones prove why he's a number two. We saw him try to be a number one last year with Baker Mayfield. It didn't work that season was just kind of a, a throwaway in the back half. So seeing what he could do was important and he didn't really show us what, what we wanted to see. So him taking a step back, regaining his confidence is going to be really crucial. And, you know, you, you have Kareem Hunt. I know you said take away the run game, but and Kareem Hunt is a very good pass catcher. We've seen him go on wheel routes and go 20, 30 yards down the field. Uh, he would have had a big play week one, but Jacoby just overthrew him a little bit. So mm. we definitely do have the offensive talent there. And if we can get that going, that'll be something interesting that teams are going to have to game plan for. Yeah, it seems like outside of the defined three, and we'll say four because Jacoby Brissett runs the hell out of some QB sneaks, man. Yeah. And that, that has me a little worried uh, on on those third and fourth and shorts because the Browns have been uh, very good at converting those. But Kareem Hunt, is is he kind of that true joker in the mix for for Cleveland's offense? Yeah, and he, he showed it last year where he could be a really solid goal line back. And uh, mm. I think what is actually... 
Yeah, for sure. And what's a little more scary is like he's already a bowling ball with the way he runs. <laughs> and now he's fighting for a contract extension. So that makes him a little more scary. And he's kind of shown it. He's he'll just get a six yard run and he comes up, he's flexing, he's doing all this. You know, he's a guy that wants to be paid. So with the way that he's playing right now, it's it's definitely crucial that we get him going and I, I want to see him in Cleveland for the next two, three years, whatever it may be. And I know we drafted Jerome Ford, so Hunt might might walk, but he's definitely a special player that uh, teams have to game plan for. It's it's a two headed monster back there. It's very hard to to stop the run with people, as Marshawn Lynch says, hitting them in their face over and over and over again. It's it's really difficult. It absolutely is. And, you know, certainly when Nick Chubb is the one and then Kareem Hunt's the number two, that's uh, that's even harder than than your typical running back by committee. But uh, Noah, before we get out of here, I just have one final topic for us to cover. I want to flip things around. I want to give you the chance to uh, talk about the Falcons from the Browns perspective, and then we'll get into our final gut feelings for Sunday's game. Yeah, so. I think the the first thing is Cordell Patterson. You mentioned earlier he's he's kind of been a tank so far, and if you get him in the red zone, that's going to be something that's pretty scary. Uh, the Browns defense does not have the best red zone defense, so if he just you know keeps hammering at home right there, I think that's going to be something that we're going to have to uh, uh, be prepared for. And AJ Terrell, Casey Hayward. Uh, those are some some two good corners, one of the top duos in the league. So, like I said, we will have to air out our all of our receiver options. Um, Amari might get figured out this game. That that's something that we'll have to be prepared for. Um, and then you look at Kyle Pitts. Obviously, he's he's a receiver. I mean, let's be honest. He can do it all. Um, and if JOK is out, he might have a field day with how the secondary is playing. So, and Marcus Mariota, I mean, we have to go against Lamar Jackson all the time, but it's hard to game plan for somebody who may or may not run instead of, oh, he's going to do a QB draw. So Mariota is very talented. If uh, he can kind of get it going on the ground, we might have a long day ahead of us and it's going to be a really fun matchup. I think it's kind of going under the radar and especially with these injuries on the Browns front, the Falcons might have a, have a really good chance. I think this game is going to be incredibly fast to the average viewer. You know, if you just turn it on and, and you know, you're kind of keeping track for fantasy reasons of all the uh, games around the league. And you're like, all right, there's six minutes left in the second quarter here. And this other game has three minutes left in the first quarter. Like what's happening it could be kind of one of those games where the Falcons and Browns are the first in a halftime, first out of halftime, first over in the early window. It's because both of these teams love to dominate time of possession, and that does stem from their running games. Something's going to break here because Atlanta and Cleveland are the only two teams to score at least 26 points in all three of their games so far this season, which just think about that for a second. Coming into the year, if you had said, hey, through three games, Atlanta and Cleveland without Deshaun Watson at quarterback, you know, are are going to be the only two teams to score at least 26 points. That would probably surprise a lot of people. But what do you think gives first? Is it possible for this to be a very quick game and also be a 32 to 30 type of, of shootout with the run games leading the way? Or could this end up being a little bit lower scoring and a quicker game? 
and this might be a defensive game. Um, we are both kind of kind of well rounded at our positions, and I know the the Falcons have had some some issues at safety, but they can really figure it out. And if we do not get this run game going, it's going to be kind of difficult because, like I said, AJ Terrell, Casey Hayward, they are very uh, very different players that we really haven't gone up against. They're they're very agile. They're they're uh, very speedy. So. I don't know. I think this this could be defensive, and Jacoby might have some issues. Uh, I know Deion Jones isn't really hasn't really been playing. Grady Jarrett is kind of. I'm not entirely sure how Grady has been playing. Grady Grady is off to you know we mentioned Nick Chubb's start to the season. This is the one of the best starts I think I've ever seen from Grady Jarrett. He is playing like a man possessed. In fact, the next question I was going to have, you know, where would be the worst place for the Falcons? to bring pressure. Cause that's probably where they're going to line Grady Jarrett up. I think our tackles are, are not fantastic right now in terms of pass rush. Uh, Jedrick Wills has, uh, you can ask mm. any Cleveland fan and you're going to get the same reaction. <laughs> he is just not really what we expected. Um, and Jack Conklin is coming off of his, his surgery. So um, yep. he looked okay against the Steelers. Haven't didn't really see too much from him, uh, but if you can just attack our tackles, I think that's going to be something that's that's going to be scary. And uh, you know, our our interior is is kind of nuts. Uh, we've spent uh, a lot of money on those two guards. So, and it, I, I will say though, Wyatt Teller hasn't really been fantastic this year. He's he's had some penalty issues. Um, sometimes mm. he's looked kind of lost, and it's it's not really something that I like to see. But I still think our tackles are our weak points right now. All right, Noah, before we get out of here, what I'm going to I'm going to stop saying like final predictions because none of us know actually how to predict anything. I mean, we're sitting here talking about will Miles Garrett play or won't he? He may be playing on Sunday and we may just be under the assumption he's not. And that changes all of it. So right now, things stand gut feeling. How's this game going to play out? And who do you like? I think uh, I'm obviously going to have to go with the Browns here, but I think the <laughs> Falcons to. are going to kind of, of course, uh, the Falcons are going to uh, surprise us a little bit. I, I think with the Jets, we we undersold them and they came out firing with a with a veteran quarterback who just kind of knew how to pick us apart. Um, if you guys can get Drake London going, if you can get Kyle Pitts going, which they have already been ramping up, I think it's going to be a long day for us and we may get frustrated. We may have some miscommunication issues now that Anthony Walker is out and we're uh, transferring the green dot again like we did last year. So it, it might be a lot closer than Cleveland fans think or want to admit, but I still do think the Browns are going to pull it out in the end. That's totally fair. However, given kind of the injury situation, given you know coming off of, I think, a big win against the Steelers early in the season, and given the Cade York situation at kicker, I think these two teams are going to come out, be very evenly matched. And I think Atlanta is going to win 24-23 on a missed extra point at some point in the game by wow. Cleveland. And it's, <laughs> I, you know, I, again, could totally be wrong, but right now it just feels like that type of game. Having watched both of these teams through their first three uh, matchups, it, it just feels like it will be one of those back and forth things. And you'll get a couple of possessions where the offense is, are rolling and then a turnover one end, a defensive stand on another. And then it's 10 to 13 for a while. 
and then another team gets like it's going to be one of those games, I think. Well, I take blame for the Cade York uh, misses because after he went four for four, oh, do and won that game, I do because after he uh, beat the Panthers with the game-winning field goal, I impulsively bought his jersey, and uh-huh. I, I wore it. I wore it against the the Jets. Missed a kick, lost the game. Wore it, uh, I didn't wear it against the Steelers, but still missed a kick. And like I don't know, it's 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 really unfortunate that our special teams kind of collapsed. But I think that is a very very valid thing. And if we have an onside kick, we might be screwed. So you guys could definitely win it right there. I respect the hell out of you so much, man. Because you <laughs> bought a kicker's jersey. I did. Yeah. Wow. Good for you. Good for right. you. All right, Noah. Um, thank you so much for joining on today. Will you please uh, let everybody know where they can find and follow your work? Yeah, you can follow me on Brown Central on Instagram. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, the the Dog Check podcast, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And we try to get episodes up weekly. So if you want to come in and listen to any recaps or previews, we welcome you in. All right, man. I'm really looking forward to hearing your take on everything from the Browns perspective after the game. So again, I encourage everybody to go check that out. But Noah, thank you so much. We'll uh, we'll have to do it again in the future. Of course. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to today's podcast, which is presented by Bet Online. Be sure to pass along this preview to anybody who is a Falcons fan. If they are interested in this game, we want them to uh, know about this great feed. So let them know where they can find us. Please give Ovi and I a follow on Twitter at Ovi Mihaly 34 at Will McFadden. It's where you can find me nice and simple. And please, guys, check us out Monday morning. First thing, we will be in your feed. Ovi and I will have our recap of this game. And quick take thoughts may be coming. All right, so check your feed Sunday night just in case after the game. I may hit the mics and just lay down 15 quick minutes of, hey, here's what I saw, here's what I think. And we will, of course, dive much more in-depth once Ovi joins me on the microphone, but may have something to tide you guys over. So be on the lookout for that. But as always, everybody, thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to us that you guys have continued to be on this journey with us. And we will see you again soon. But until then... Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 